0: and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is God's word, let's pray. Father, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. Lord, speak to us through your word this morning, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, in the 16th century, William Tyndale, a man uniquely prepared and called by God, began the monumental task of translating the Greek and Hebrew scriptures into English for the first time. In the face of opposition, Tyndale's determination to make the scriptures accessible to common men and women was unwavering, even when he was confronted by those who argued that it was better to be without God's law than the Pope's. Tyndale declared, I defy the Pope and all his laws. If God spare my life ere many years, I will cause a boy that drives the plow to know the scripture better than you. William Tyndale's desire was that even the humblest farm boy should have a profound understanding of the scriptures. Tyndale labored not for his own personal glory, but was driven by the calling that the Holy Spirit placed in his life and this deep desire for common people to have direct access to God's word. And doing this very thing led him to being burnt at the stake. And just as Tyndale grasped the profound significance of the word of God, we are reminded in 2 Timothy that all scripture is breathed out by God. And that the Bible is living and active And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness so that we are equipped to be able to do what God has called us to do. And so I wanna encourage you this morning as your pastor to see the blessing it is to have God's word. That you would treasure it that you would read it, and that not only read it, but be changed because of your reading of it. We all need to grow in Christlikeness. We all need to set our minds on the things above and let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Because there will be things in your life that happen this year that could potentially throw you off. Whether it be persecution for your faith, indwelling sin, difficult circumstances. And it is my hope and prayer that you continue in what you have learned and believed. The text helps us see what the Bible is, what the Bible is for and what it does. But the main point, what I hope you see in the text, what I hope you respond to after hearing this passage is that you would trust the word of God for what it is and what it does. Trust the word of God for what it is and what it does. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to Timothy to urge him to stand firm in what the Lord had called him to do. Paul was writing from prison. He was approaching uh, the end of his life. And so these are some of his last words that were written to Timothy. And and chapter 3 begins with Paul telling Timothy that there will be ungodly people in the last days who will turn away from the truth and, and live wicked and sinful lives. And then there will be false teachers who will try to take advantage of the flock. People who will go from bad to worse. Notice what Paul says to Timothy in verse 14. He tells him to continue. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Paul has been encouraging Timothy to follow in his example, even in the midst of persecution. In verse 12, Paul says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But Paul says, But as for you, Timothy, continue. Continue. Remain faithful because there could be that temptation as Timothy deals with these false teachers and these people who don't want to hear God's truth. Timothy could be tempted to try out some new ministry techniques or maybe tempted to shrink back from preaching the word of God. But Paul urges Timothy to continue in the truth of God's word. Now, it can be easy to say, well, this is a private letter between Paul and his young apprentice, Timothy, and so it doesn't necessarily apply to me. But Paul not only writes this to Timothy for Timothy's sake, he says this to Timothy for the sake of the congregation in Ephesus because Paul knows that this letter is going to be read aloud to that congregation. He not only wants Timothy to continue to follow his example, but he wants the local church to follow in his example as well. What Paul says to Timothy is first and foremost for a person whose job it is to preach and teach, but it's also for every Christian. That's why it's included in your Bible. And these are not simply Paul's words to Timothy. But as we will see in this passage, they are actually God's words to Timothy. And not only God's words to Timothy, but they're God's words to you and me. Paul says, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed. He just said, all who desire to live a godly life are going to be persecuted. And so since that is true, that we will face persecution in this life and face trials and hardships. It is very important to continue in the truth of God's word, in the things we have learned and have firmly believed. And Paul says, knowing from whom you've learned it. He tells Timothy, remember those who have taught you the word of God. Remember who taught you. No doubt Paul is including himself. He's the one who discipled Timothy. He was a spiritual father to him. Paul calls Timothy his child in the faith. And so he says, Timothy, my child, continue. Hold fast to what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it, and we know that Paul is also talking about Timothy's grandmother and mother because of what he says in verse 15. And how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. As a little boy, Timothy heard the truth from both his mother and his grandma. At the beginning of this letter, in chapter 1, verse 5, Paul writes, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. Timothy, I remember your grandma and your mother. I remember the sincere faith that they had. They were godly women. They planted those seeds and God caused it to grow. Timothy became a Christian because he heard the word of God and he heard God's word because of these two faithful women. This should be an encouragement to the parents and grandparents in this room. Think about how impactful a godly mother or a godly grandmother can, can be towards small children. And so mothers, parents, grandparents, do you desire for your children, for your grandchildren, to know and believe in Jesus? Then teach them the word of God. God can use you to raise up servants like Timothy who will lay down their lives for Christ. And when times of difficulty come into the life of that child, the memory of that person's faithfulness to Christ may encourage them to continue. Knowing and remembering the godly people who taught us the truths of God's word is a great source of encouragement and strength. Charles Spurgeon wrote this about his mother. It was the custom on Sunday evenings while we were yet little children for her to stay at home with us, and then we sat around the table and read verse by verse, and she explained the scripture to us. And then the question was asked how long it would be before we think about our state? How long before we would seek the Lord? Then came a mother's prayer. Some words of that prayer we shall never forget even when our hairs are gray. The ministry of a mother or parent or grandparent is powerful in the life of a child. And so I encourage all of you who are parents and grandparents to disciple your children In the Lord, that's the most loving thing that you can do for them. To take time each day and read the Bible and explain it to them. It will be the greatest investment you ever make. Mothers, you have an amazing opportunity. Don't forget the most important thing you can do as a parent is to teach your child the word of God. Because it is the word of God that makes people wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul says in verse 15, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you Wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul is telling Timothy to continue to live by the word because it makes people wise for salvation. The Bible tells us how we can be saved. Without God's word, we wouldn't know how to be saved. Without God's word, we wouldn't even know that we need salvation. The Bible makes us wise for salvation. The Old Testament reveals God's character, it exposes the reality of sin, it speaks of the mercy and forgiveness of God, and it points toward that promised Redeemer and Messiah. And then in the New Testament, it tells us that mankind has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all have sinned and rebelled against God. And the punishment for our sin is death and separation from God. It tells us that God loves the world. He loves the world so much that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. It tells us that Jesus died on the cross. He took our sins. He took the sins of those who would believe in him upon himself and took on the penalty and the punishment for those sins. It tells us that if we believe in Jesus, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved and it also tells us that Jesus rose from the dead defeating Satan sin and death and as the risen Christ he offers new life and eternal life to all who believe and it tells us that one day he will come again and we will be with him in glory The Bible makes known the plan of salvation to redeem sinners. This is like no other book. It teaches us the way of salvation. But notice, Paul says that it gives you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And so it's not enough to say, oh, I believe the Bible. You can like the Bible. You can read the Bible. You can have knowledge of the Bible and still not be saved. But you must have faith in Jesus Christ in order to be saved. You must believe in him alone. And the whole Bible is about Jesus. Remember that conversation that Jesus had with his Two disciples after he had risen from the dead on that road to Emmaus, Luke tells us that beginning from Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. Genesis to Revelation, the whole Bible is about Jesus and it makes us wise for salvation. Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the Bible is not the way of salvation. Jesus is. But it does tell us the way of salvation. It makes us wise for salvation because it shows us our sin and our need. And it shows us the Savior and his grace. Paul reminds Timothy and us that the Bible makes us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 16, Paul gives us this beautiful summary of what the Bible is and what it does. He writes, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. All scripture is breathed out by God. Some of your translations may say inspired. All scripture is inspired by God, which is an okay translation. Um, But breathed out by God is a better translation. Sometimes people see that word inspired and and they think, well, yeah, the Bible is inspired. It inspires me. But that's not what Paul is saying here. Theopnostos is the Greek word that's used here. Theo means God, and nestos means breath. And so when you you speak, you use breath to form words. And so what Paul is saying here is that all of Scripture, every book, every chapter, every sentence, every word has been breathed out from the heart and mouth of God. These are his words. These that have been written down are the very words of God. Some argue against this and say, well, it was actually men who wrote down these words, so some of the scriptures aren't relevant for today. And yet this text very clearly tells us that all scripture is breathed out by God. The Bible is God talking. Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, <clears throat> he says, You must understand that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the Old Testament was God speaking, it was God's words. And then Peter says later on in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, he says, as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. So Peter, first and foremost, admits that some of the things that Paul writes are hard to understand. But he also associates Paul's writings with the scriptures. Paul even writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, You accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is the word of God, which is at work in you believers. And so the Old and the New Testament, all of Scripture is God's word, His breathed out words. And so when we read in Genesis about the creation of man being made male and female, this should inform us the way we should view gender and marriage, because it's God's word. What we read about in Psalm 119 about God knitting us in the womb and being fearfully and wonderfully made should inform us about the preciousness of human life in the womb and to see that abortion is wrong and evil. What we read about in the Gospel of John that these are written in order that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him you might have life in his name. While John may have written the Gospel, the Spirit led him to write about these specific signs and specific moments and then gave John supernatural insight that he did not have before on how these things pointed to who Jesus is and what he has come to do, so that you would believe and have life in his name. The Gospel of John is God speaking, it's God's words. What we read in Colossians three, that those who are in Christ have been raised with Christ and have this new identity in him and have died to the old self. This is God speaking to us, reminding us of our identity in him, so that we would get rid of the sin in our lives and start living our new lives in Christ, seeking to live in obedience to him and in service to others. What we read about in Paul's letters to Timothy and Titus about the church should inform us on how leadership in the church is to be structured, with a plurality of elders being the spiritual leaders who oversee the church. And and the deacons who serve the church. Friends, these aren't some good ideas that Paul came up with as he was writing to Timothy and Titus. But these are God's breathed out words on how he desires his church to function. When we read about our future hope in 1 Peter and in Revelation, that should inform us to live lives here on earth with hope. Peter says we have a living hope and an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for us. And though we do not now see Jesus, one day we will. And we will be with him forever. Forever. Church, that's not a promise from Peter or John. That's a promise from God himself. This is God's breathed out word. And so if you want to hear God's voice, if you desire to hear God speak to you, then open up your Bible and read. This is how he does it. Thomas Watson, the English Puritan, once said, think in every line you read that God is speaking to you. It's one thing to say that you have a high view of this book. It's another thing to live like you have a high view of this book. The Pharisees had a high view of the scriptures, but Jesus said in Mark's gospel that they made the word of God void by clinging to all their traditions. We can say we have a high view of the Bible, and yet by our choices, in our attitudes and the way that we live our lives, we can show that we actually have a very low view of God's word. All scripture is breathed out by God. Paul also says in verse 16 that all scripture is profitable. It's useful. It's beneficial. And he gives four things that scripture is profitable for. Teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. The scriptures make us wise for salvation. They are the actual breathed out words of God himself. And they're beneficial for us. They benefit us. They help us. Paul says all scripture is profitable for teaching. The Bible teaches us, and it should be used for teaching. It shows us the truth. Think about all the ways that the Bible teaches us about who God is, his nature, his character, all his attributes. And the Bible also teaches us who we are who we are outside of Christ, and who we are in Christ. And it teaches us what is right and what is good. It teaches us sound doctrine. But it also reproves us. That's the thing that we dislike most of these four. The Bible tells us when we go wrong, when we sin, it exposes falsehoods and wrong beliefs. It warns us of errors that we can fall into. It reproves us. It tells us what's not right. But the scriptures don't just leave us there. After exposing sin and wrong belief, scripture helps correct us and align us back to God's will. And lastly, Paul tells Timothy that all scripture is profitable for training in righteousness. The Bible tells us how to live for God. It disciples us and prepares us to live Christ-like lives. It helps us to recognize what is good and to reject what is evil so that we begin to live in ways that are pleasing to God and helpful towards others. We don't need just one or two of those things. We need all of those things because we are all prone to wander, to turn from God and his ways towards ourselves and our own ways. We need the word of God to reprove us and correct us and teach us and train us in righteousness. The word of God is what you need to know how to live the Christian life. Christian who studies the Bible and applies what he or she learns will grow in holiness and avoid many issues in this life. Church, there is nothing that is more profitable in the world than God's word. There is nothing that is more profitable. And then in verse 17, we see the goal of all these things. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Paul was reminding Timothy that the scriptures were profitable and would prepare him and equip him for what the Lord had called him to do. How do we grow into mature disciples of Christ? How will we become wise? How can we become conformed into the image of Christ? Through knowing the Bible and allowing it to change us. You and I were created for good works. Ephesians 2.10 says that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now to be clear, we're not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. And the better we know the word, the better we're gonna be able to live and work for God. Don't you wanna be all that God has created you to be? Do you have that desire in your heart to be everything that God has created you to be? He does this through his word. He says it's profitable so that the man or woman of God would be complete, equipped for every good work. Whether our purpose is to lead men or women to saving faith in Jesus, or to teach the truth to others, or to refute error in the church, or to train up other believers to live righteously, the best resource we have is God's word. Because it not only gives us the information to teach, it also equips us to be living examples of what we teach. God's word is amazing. We should be just like the psalmist who says, oh, how I love your law. And I meditate on it day and night. May we love this book. This book tells me everything I need to know to live in this world, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And think about Jesus and how he used and spoke about the word of God. What did he do when he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness? He quoted the Bible, saying, it is written. He declared, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus believed that God's word sustains and nourishes our spiritual lives. When Jesus knew that he was going to the cross, he prayed to the Father and asked that the Father would sanctify his disciples in the truth. And then he declared, your word is truth. And as he hung on the cross, he quoted the Psalms. Jesus believed the scriptures to be the infallible word of God. So do you love the word of God? Do you see what it is? God's breathed out words, not the words of men, but the word of God. Do you see what it does? It makes us wise for salvation. It's profitable. It teaches. It reproves. It corrects. It trains. And it equips us for every good work. Do you study the Bible only because you have to? Because it's part of your discipline? Or do you love it? Do you enjoy reading it because you know what it is and what it does? I hope that you learn to love the Bible more, that you believe this book, and that you trust in the Savior that this book talks about, that you trust in him for salvation, and that you submit to this book's teaching and its reproof and its correction and its training. May God transform us by his truth and equip us for every good work that he has called us to do. Continue trusting the Bible because it is the profitable word of God that points to salvation in Jesus and equips you for every good work. Trust the word of God for what it is and what it does. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you for your word. We acknowledge that the Bible doesn't contain the thoughts of men but is your breathed out word. And we thank you for the fact that it is profitable for us to teach us to reprove us, to correct us, and to train us in righteousness, that we can be made complete and equipped for every good work. Lord, we pray for those around us who are living apart from your word. We pray for opportunities to walk through the Bible with them because this book makes people wise for salvation help us to teach your word to our children. We pray for those in our world that do not have the Bible in their own language. We pray that you would bless the efforts of those who are involved with Bible translation. We think of our missionaries, Art and Denise, who are involved in translating the Bible for the Dajo people. Lord, we pray that as the Dajo people begin to read more and more of the scriptures in their language, that it would make them wise for salvation and that they would believe in Jesus. They would see that it is your breathed out word and profitable for them and that you would equip them for the great works that you have for the Dajo people in the future. Lord, help us to receive your word with humility allowing it to shape us and prepare us for what you have for us. Guide our decisions that they may align with your will and your word. Fulfill your purposes in and through us, all for the glory of Jesus, we pray in his name, amen.